Welcome to Think Big for Africa podcast. On this podcast, we will bring you interesting conversations with local, national, and international African leaders from all works of life, home and abroad. Leaders who are doing their bits to progress Africa's development. Conversation topics will range from education, science, health, leadership, politics, business, and many other global issues. Conversations about everything that concerns Africa's development. Africa has so many wonderful achievers worldwide, and this is exactly what we will bring to you on Think Big for Africa podcast. Stay tuned. Hello, David. Good day, sir. How are you? How are you doing? I'm okay. I'm very well. As good as can be. Thank you. <laughs> Wow, nice to see you. Yeah, likewise. It's it's a pleasure. Good, it's good. a pleasure. A long, long-awaited meeting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so tell me, where about you are you in the UK? I'm in Bradford. Up north. Okay, okay. Yeah, mm. I live just just outside London, not side uh, Watford. Oh, great, great. That's quite a distance. So, so, so. See, I see you a lot on LinkedIn, you know, doing your thing. And uh, I was uh, very curious, say, hey, what is this young man doing, you know? And uh, I'm, I'm very happy to have you on board today, right? Yeah. So let, let's, go, let's do this. See, help me introduce yourself to my audience. Tell them what you do and, uh, you know, tell them about you and what you do. Yeah. Okay. Right. About me. Okay. So um, thank you very much, first of all, for this opportunity to speak with you. And thank also you. With your audience about the work that we are doing and the vision that we are promoting. Um, I'm, I'm actually a sustainable development advocate with a keen focus on inclusion um, I do some work around um, secular economy, modern slavery, sustainable cities, but it all revolves around advancing inclusion or, or building inclusive societies. Yeah. Um, yeah. And um, I basically, I, I'm also founder of Salt House, um, uh, a, an inclusive development organization back in Africa. We, we started in 2018. Um, uh, I'm also founder of Kink, um, a secular economy startup here in the UK. Um, and, and what else do I do? I do quite a number. I'm also okay. advisory board member to the West Yorkshire Combined Authority. Okay. Uh, on climate, energy, and environment. And also, I on the side, I actually work as the business accounts manager to a global charity called Unseen, a modern slavery charity mm. in Bristol. Um, yeah. So. That's about what I do. Okay. Okay. So we'll dig deeper into what you do. Okay. So as a an advocate of uh, inclusiveness, okay, we're yeah. working on working on interesting projects, okay. Uh very interesting ideas. Inclusiveness, like you said, you said uh circular economy. Yeah. and sustainable development okay yeah just break this down for us so that we can understand <laughs> it better yeah <laughs> so basically um i'll start with what inclusion means often okay. we, we 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 have conversations about inclusion and people it's very easy for us to associate it with having a representation okay of every every social social group or social um category or economic category in a room. That's what, what we think it is. But basically, what, what inclusion, what I perceive inclusion to be is um, giving people the freedom to, to be a part of what they want to be a part of, to achieve whatever they want to achieve, and also to feel that they are contributing actively to the advancement of society. That's mm. basically what it means um, to, to me. Um, it, it's not about ensuring everyone is in the room, but making sure that if anyone wants to get into the room, they're not denied access on the basis of their you know, 
racial backgrounds or economic backgrounds or standing or socioeconomic status in society or sexual you know orientations and all of that um it's basically recognizing that everyone has got something to offer and if they're willing to offer some form of you know solution to society they should definitely be given the opportunity and that's what what, what i've actually been passionate about when i started my organization salt house so yes as i said i work around secular economy as well but often people what does that mean yeah yeah so people think secular economy as like a major field but for me it's like a means to an end because what the secular economy postulates it's it's more um it's a new way or a proposed a, a modern uh, proposition um to to consumption so it's we are basically replacing the linear model of consumption where we extract our natural resources we produce you know make products we use them and when we're done Whenever we, it's of no use to us. We just dispose of them, and that's the end of its life cycle. Okay. Um, but yeah, but what we are actually doing with the circular economy is um, to ensure that after we are done post-consumption, most of the waste that we generate can be absorbed into some form of production processes. So that way, it's either it's being recycled, or it's being reused, or it's been you know remanufactured or you know refurbished. Um, there are several you know, things that we can do with it. And the reason why I'm, I'm really particular about the secular economy and how it relates to inclusion, it's in terms of inclusive economic opportunities. Because amongst all the sustainable development frameworks that we have, this is one that actually scores the three major points, which is the the social, the environmental, and also the economic aspect of development. Yeah. Um, where we're able to create jobs. And while we're creating jobs, you are saving the planet because we are relying less on our natural resources and therefore our natural capital depletion reduces and at the same time we are you know we're able to engage every level of society irrespective of socioeconomic standards or, or class and all of that so it's that's why i'm really interested in it um, and i believe that it's with the research that i've, I've done and, and we are still doing we have we're able to prove that um if we're able to government um, policymakers are able to embed the secular economy framework in their developmental policies to some extent, we would be able to accomplish, to a great extent, we would be able to accomplish some form of social economic inclusion yeah. in the long run. Yeah. And also, my work around modern slavery, modern slavery is quite uh, straightforward. And you would, you would suspect... Oh, leave, leave, that, leave that out, because we we'll talk about that in a different uh, whatever. See? Okay. <laughs> now, um, I'm, I'm, I'm happy about the way you talk about inclusiveness okay because i engage many people i talk to many people on this these topics okay and most people in fact you are the first person who have defined inclusiveness regarding what the the people actually want yeah okay i've never had anybody say that because when I debate people and I tell them, no, you, you want every member of a society to be in the room. What if I don't want to be here? Exactly. Okay. Now, I have a, a good friend, a very good, good friend, who is a local counselor in my town. Okay. We debate this all, all the time. Um, see, we have a a Watford uh, group in my town. And because she's in politics, she, she's trying to encourage people to come out, to be involved in the community, okay? Mm -hmm. But one thing we found out is that many of her people are not really willing to step out, mm -hmm. okay? Tomorrow, tomorrow, there's there's a member of our, of our team who is hosting an event in a nearby town. And that person has invited all of us, okay, for weeks. And up to yesterday, very few people have indicated the interest to even attend. Mm. You see? So inclusiveness depends on people's willingness to come out 
okay and i am happy you said that so what if you what if you if we want our people to be included in what it, whatever is going on in society then we need to encourage them to come out okay in like yeah. going back to nigeria see yeah. i i am i'm a big advocate uh, advocate that young people should be running government okay but okay. it's very clear that one reason why we don't have enough young people challenging the older generation is that we didn't come out all it i mean for this years okay so if you want young people to be running government maybe in next 10 years then right now we need a lot of young people to be involved in politics at every level you know so i i agree with you i i, I very much agree with your with, with your view about uh, secular economy about uh, inclusiveness now circular economy is very very interesting uh yes like you said uh going that route will reduce uh the number of the amount of our natural resources that we waste right now we, we are, we, we're using things only once and then we discard them and they, they end up being waste and hazardous to our environment. Yeah. So this circular economy uh, uh, paradigm will will reduce that amount of waste. That's that's very 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 good. How, how, but how how much is how how is it going? Thus far, yes. How 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 yeah. is it going? Yeah, it's going really great. It's going really great. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm founder of King. Um, I am building a um, secular economy startup alongside six amazing, talented, um, um, you know, friends of mine. And what, what we decided to do, so sometime last year, I, I interned with the Bradford Council um, as a sustainability research associate. Yeah. And part of my, my, my job description was to help the government um, identify how you know some of the challenges to implementing the circular economy and yeah. then how can we embed the circular economy into an economic growth plan practical economic growth plan not not just in paper um and and that was a, that was like that, that was more like um, an eye-opener because um before then i understood the circular economy in terms of you know what it means in theory yeah but basically understanding the behavioral aspect of it how how consumers respond to it how consumers or how business owners also respond to the ideology. I had no understanding about that. Mm. So that, thus far, we've been able to at least um, um, debunk the myth that it's it's not feasible because it's feasible. It's for businesses. It makes a business case for for enterprises because um, companies can actually, from my research, companies can actually save up to thirty one percent on their procurement wow. and manufacturing costs. Wow, that's that's uh, huge. Yeah, that's huge by sourcing for their raw materials directly from consumer waste rather than relying on you know some um or natural you know raw materials from the from the earth from scratch um, yeah the, uh, from scratch and also the risk of you know the issues that as regards supply risks like considering what's happening in ukraine and you know conflicts in different parts of the world yeah um so many businesses are, on the, are actually suffering from shortage in supply of some of these raw materials um, but basically, the secular, the secular economy just does it. It helps combat some of those things. Mm. And also, they could also save up to 32% of their landfill tax as well, yeah. um, which, which is a huge, which is a huge saving. I, I know in the UK, um, businesses can, totally in the UK, we could actually save £512 billion annually um, by implementing secular economy framework in business models, both large and small. But we have about five point eight million businesses. So, so to, to you, so, this circular economy is sustainable and yeah, it is. certainly it is, it is prof, prof, profitable. Yeah, it's profitable, and also it's one that helps to close the you know the income inequality, you know the income inequality gap. Yeah, because um, people who are, for example, let's say for let, let's just be practical now. All right. Yeah. So I have a laptop over here. 
all right? And once, let's say, it doesn't have to be damaged to want to change it. Yeah. Let's say I want to get a new one and I have to discard of this. Now, mm. it, this, this is the Dell PC. And let's say, for example, Dell, um, they, they have, um, Dell launches a circular economy program where you can return your Dell laptops and then you get a discount voucher to get rid of them. I have, have two. <laughs> for me, I have two. They're, they're both in my dresser because I, I, I don't use them any, anymore, but I don't yeah. want to just discard them because discard them. I, exactly. I have data in it and I, I'm, I'm, I'm conscious of just discarding them discarding, where yeah. somebody can get them. and, and Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So with, with that, um, now for Dell, getting the products back from the consumers has been a problem yeah. because of the cost of reverse logistics. It's really expensive. Yes. Um, getting products out. and um, the incentive is not enough to get you know um, consumers to pick up their laptops and then drive to the closest you know Dell store and then you know it's not enough. Yeah. So it's more, it requires more of a moral moral um, moral push a moral yeah. incentive rather yeah. than financial incentive. So what we decided to do um, to you know in in that, in that sort of model. If we, we add a middleman who, who, is, who is responsible for picking up some of these items across the UK and globally and then yeah. shipping them down to these businesses, that way we get to leverage economies of scale, beat down the cost of shipping these items, and that way it makes sense for the businesses and also for the logistics yeah. company, wherever they are. Um, that's that's going to create some form of income for, you know, for, for some, some, somebody, yeah. For right. somebody, yeah. yeah. So, and, and before you know... Um, like for example, what we were building at King, which is the startup, um, we have what we call the King Rider. So basically, taxi drivers will earn about the minimum wage can register on our platform, mm. and then what during their waiting time, while they are you know moving from one point to another, waiting for the next ride, they can just simply request a pickup and then drive down to a consumer's apartment, someone's apartment, pick up some of these products, and then bring it down to our our you know fulfillment center, and then they yeah. get paid for it. So before you, over time, you find out that, you know, people who are at the lower end of the supply chain of the economic chain, you know, they, they get some extra revenue that, and, and it will give them a push. And that way they know they're also contributing to environmental sustainability, which is quite fulfilling um, morally. See, I, I, will tell you, I will tell you the truth. I didn't think I'll be so interested in what you do, like, like I am right now. Okay. Uh, see, uh, see, uh, I, I was just curious. I was just curious to know what it is to do. See, I tell people, <laughs> I tell people this. See, curiosity. Hmm? I talk to a lot of different people and I read a lot of books. Okay. I was just uh, uh, debating with a, a, a good friend of mine on WhatsApp. He's in Kenya and I'm here in the UK. He used to live very close to me. Now he's in Kenya. And all throughout the day, we have been debating on so on some of these social issues. Okay. And I tell him, I read a lot of different books. Okay. For him, he was accusing me of being either left or right. I won't say which one. And I told him, no, me, I'm, I'm open-minded. I read things from, from both sides. In fact, I had to show him by taking my uh, the books I have. A lot of them took it. I took pictures, pictures of them to show, just to show him. I read all kind of, all manner of books. See, I was just curious about what you do. And now... It's uh, it's something very very interesting to me. You know, I'm happy. I'm I'm am t- talking to you. Right. Thank you. Wow. Thank you very so, much. So, tell me, tell me. Yes, uh, I I've gathered some kind of challenges that you might have, but hey, just tell us what kind of challenges that your business, not only your research and other things, but what kind of challenges do you have in in delivering both the inclusiveness issues and the circular economy? Well, in terms of challenges, um, first of all, 
it's the policies. So I think um, there's so much this, should I say we, we still operate stale policies and it's not just in the UK, um, but general globally um, in terms of inclusion and because we, we, we are yet to have have a, have a good understanding of what inclusion is yeah. basically. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I agree. I agree very much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We are, we are yet to understand the, the basics of what inclusion means and how basically how the secular economy itself would help accomplish it. Um, so these often these issues are treated sustainable de- sustainable development issues are treated as ind- independent you know subjects rather than you know connected issues. These yeah. are all connected issues. Yeah. Um, and the sooner you know, the sooner we understand that, the better for us. Um, so I think one of the major challenges that we've had is if, if only we can have like first of, in the UK, in the EU generally, the secular economic package that was um, directives that was launched sometime in, in, in the early twenty was it twenty eighteen? Yeah, in twenty eighteen, um, it was later reviewed last year, um, and that that that's that's that like that that put the UK in the map, that put the EU in the map. Okay. as leaders, you know, in secular economy. However, however, you know, it's one thing to put that in paper and, and it's another thing to understand the practicality of it. Yeah. You know, if you're, if you're expecting companies to make a huge shift from, you know, designing products, single-use products to using components that can be reused, there's several factors that we need to take into consideration in terms of, um, you know, secular finance. What pays for the loss? In As a result of them making that transition, there are certain equipment, machineries that would not be useful anymore that will become obsolete. Who covers for the cost of that? Mm. Um, who covers for the for um you know there, there are certain people that that definitely lose their job because the skill set that they have they definitely they, need, they need to they need to change they need to re educate themselves into themselves some, you know, other things so there are costs thing. involved yes because the, there are costs involved so who pays for that um also the behavioral part of it um understanding okay understanding consumer behavior you know, beyond just, you know, making people buy things, but also understanding in the context of making people dispose. Um, often we're very good with marketing to help, you know, encourage people to buy products, yeah. but we're not really good with, you know, encouraging, you know, proper disposal of some of these items post-consumption. So yeah. Yeah, um, some of the issues, first issue that we have in basically is just the policy. Secondly, it's uh, more of getting the right talent. So... Talent sourcing is a huge issue. Globally, we have you know, supply shortage in terms of lots of <laughs> vacant rules out there. And these vacant rules, they're not because we have everyone's got a job, but it's because the skill set that you know yeah. that Educa- require education, education. Skill the curriculum needs yeah. to change. Yeah, the curriculum needs to. And I'm glad that you know we have universities who are, who are you know taking programs in on secular economy as as a single course. Okay. Um, and you know, digging deep into it and helping people understand the role of you know data analytics, the role of you know um, psychology and all of that, and how all of these things connect to law and all of that. So I'm really glad about that. Um, but before we get to reap the benefit of some of these, <laughs> it's definitely going to take time. Yes. Um, yeah. So those yeah. are actually the two main issues. I'll, I'll not talk about about finance because like we've got we're in the UK and there, there are loads of you know loads of grants cash line waiting for people with the right ideas yeah, see, them. that's that's uh, the beauty beauty of the of europe of the uk yeah. that when new new ideas come yeah the, the government is in the, at the forefront of financing some of the initial education and research yeah. and all that that's good, you know. So tell yeah. me, tell me. I know you started uh, salt, okay? Yeah. So it's a it's a uh, is it a company? Yeah, in, in Nigeria. Yeah, it's a company in Nigeria. Okay. So Actually, it, yeah, it's, tell, tell it's me about it. It's a social enterprise. Yeah. Okay. So we we started Salt House um, in twenty eighteen. Yep. And when we started Salt House, it goes back to my, you know, one of the the, the most difficult periods in my life. Um, when I I was I was homeless at, at some point for about say, two years um, in Lagos, wow. Nigeria. 
And it was it was in that state I really got passionate about inclusion because it's it's not because I lacked the ideas, but I just I was just unfortunate to, to be in a system where you know your ideas are not being prioritized, but yeah. rather your social background, if you've got some form of social capital, um, would you know, you know, you have to pay someone to pay someone and pay someone to get to where you need to the decision maker. And and I feel if if you know as a graduate um in Nigeria I, I could go through that. How much more people who have had an opportunity to to be educated? Mm. And so, what, one of the things I did in that state. So I was once a tailor. I, I learned how to make clothes while I was, while wow. while I was in university. Hey, yeah, you're, you're yeah. skilled, huh? You're uh, skilled. <laughs> yeah. So I, 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 so that was actually my that was that was my saving grace on the fact that I could make clothes because while I was there on the street, I was able to get some support from church from. Um, so from some family members, my mom especially, because she was far away, but you know she tried the best that she could to ensure that you know that, I that's, my that's good. Back. That's good. Yeah. Shout out, mom. While I was there, yeah, <laughs> and while while I was in that state, I what I decided to do was to travel around Nigeria. So one day I just you know closed um store where I made my clothes and where I slept at my home, uh, and I I added to the bus park. I had no idea where I was traveling to, but I had enough money to to go for. I didn't know it was enough to take me, you know, to wherever I was going to go and back, but I just wanted to go explore. And so yeah. I got to a place called Agege in Lagos, uh-huh. and I was at the park, and I looked, saw the luxurious buses, and, and I asked them, where, where are you going? This one said, it's going here. The other one was pulling me. Where are you going? He said, where's the bus going? He said, it's going to Kano. The other one said, it's going to Santara. The other one said, I was like, okay, maybe I should go up north. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> yeah. so the first trip, my very first trip was to Kano. Exploration. And, yeah, and I, I didn't know anyone in Kano. And it was while I was there in the bus, I went on Facebook and I put up a message. I am coming to Kano, please. If you're in Kano, um, can we please meet so you can help me navigate? And so someone reached out to me called Abdul Samad. He's now a very, very, very good friend of mine. That's, that's very and, good. That is very, yeah. very good. <laughs> So he reached out to me and, and when you know he was waiting for me in Kano and I got to Kano and I, I, I met with him and I asked him where, where are the places where people are suffering, where people are going through a lot. He was like everywhere in Kano because then that it was at that point I got to learn about the Amajuri's children, you know, who yep. are beggars on the street. Yep. And I went around taking pictures, you know, interviewed a few Malams, he was my interpreter to find out some of the challenges that they're going through, why the kids are on the street, to better understand the problem. I had no solution, but you know. I just needed to have a better understanding of it. And I traveled back to back to Lagos. And that was the beginning of, of what we started doing at Salt, Salt House. We used to be called Salt of Africa, but eventually we changed to Salt House. And yeah, from there, I started traveling, maybe the routine every month. I started traveling around Nigeria to places that I, I, I you know, I just go there and meet people sometimes in the bus. I meet people in the bus and say, oh, you're going there. Do you know any place? And they say, yeah, sure. So the ones who take me around the villages and all of that, and I take pictures, upload it on social media, um, the interviews, I upload it, and I just write a summary of some of the things that were discussed and some of the challenges. And that's when my passion started burning. Wow. But one thing, one thing really clicked in, in my trip, my journey. Yeah? If you travel to some remote communities where they have access to, you know, they, don't have, they have no access to the internet, they have no access to a power supply, good water, the only thing that these people have is the natural resources. And then you find out that you have these communities experience a very high, you know, not, you know, high rate of natural resource depletion. You know, mm. you find them cutting down trees, you know, to make firewood so they can sell. You find them selling plots of land to, you know, to foreigners, you know, um, to mine for something, maybe gold or anything. Yeah. And, and it was then I began to understand the relationship between sustainability in itself and inclusion. That's mm. why if you go on our website at Salt House, you, it's broadly written there that there is no sustainable, development can never be sustainable without inclusion. Mm. Um, it was then I understood that and I felt, oh, so that means for us to be able to address some of these economic issues, we also need to address some of these environmental issues and social issues. And that was jackpot. And we started Salt House, we started doing research, coming up with reports, organizing, you know, little meetings where we just bring invite people on Facebook, directors of NGOs. They come around, we have conversations as regards some of the things, some of the findings. 
And that was how we started. And before I knew it, like we were already in about 13 African countries, countries wow. that never visited. And you know, I started getting messages from people on Facebook saying, oh, they would love to start what replicate what we are doing in their countries, um, to carry out research and all of that. At some point, I could I couldn't fund it at some point because I I, I it was just so much because and they little did they know, not until 2020, they did not know I was homeless at, at that point. Ooh. It was in 2020 last year that I put up a post about, about it. And so many of them reached out to me and said they never had the slightest idea that they thought I was coming from one big. Oh, oh, hold on. Let, let me address that. Let me address something. Yeah. <laughs> no. You were practically homeless. Okay. But yet, <sighs> it didn't stop you from taking up this challenge that you saw in your environment right yeah we didn't stop you no we didn't and, and here didn't. you are today talking to me about it and you're smiling well it wasn't funny then yeah, no 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 see uh david you know it, it was. wasn't funny okay yeah it wasn't funny but today you are talking about it smiling See, yeah. one thing I would tell you, you didn't uh, sit down and cry, why me? Okay, maybe, maybe, maybe you felt it once or twice, but it didn't stop you. Yeah. You took responsibility. Yeah. See, and I'm, I'm stopping you because I, I want to talk about this. Okay. Young people need to understand that life is hard. Okay? Life is hard. See, there's nothing in this world that we enjoy today that were, that, that were done by people who were extremely comfortable. Even the richest man in the world, he's doing things but I tell you, I will tell you, he's so stressed while he's walking through the challenges to, for, for, for him and his team or her, 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 and, her and her team to come up with a solution that we yeah. enjoy today. Yeah. Okay. But at the end of the day, he, smile, he or she is smiling. Yeah. Okay. See, I'm, I'm very, I'm a big advocate for the development of Africa. Okay. But I will tell you this. I'm, I'm not, I'm not impressed about people complaining. Okay. And I see that a lot of complaints, a lot, a lot. Yeah. And, I, and I believe that complaining is one of the main things stopping us from actually sitting down and say, okay, yeah, this happens. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm where I am today. Yeah. Yeah. My country is where it is today. But what are the issues? And who can help me to address these issues? Yeah. Instead of just uh, uh, this, the the uh, politician did, did that. This one did that. They, they don't help anyone. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Wow. Uh, David, I'm <laughs> very very proud of you. Oh wow! I'm Thank very you. very Thank proud you. of you. Thank I you am so very much. very proud of you. I'm, you, I'm glad so I'm glad my curiosity uh, pushed me to reach out to you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, sir. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. So, st- salt. Now, it's the work has uh, sp- expanded to several countries. What what countries 
uh, have you expanded into? Well, at some point, we were in um, Uganda, we were in Santo, Santo and Principe, we were okay. in um, Mozambique, we were in Benin Republic, um, Ghana. But like I said, I I couldn't afford afford it. Yes, because they, they they were glad to do it. But at some point, I you know I, there was there was no way I, I wouldn't you know bring in some form of financial you know support. Mm. And at that point, we we had to organize the meeting. So even on if you go on Facebook, I'm sure you still see lots of you know salt talks. If you just Google or check salt talks on Facebook, you see lots of pages. You know people you know that have really supported our work in the past. You know yes. Well, because of financial reasons, we just had to downsize. And we're just in Nigeria, in Benin Republic, and we're in Sierra Leone. And these are these are just young people that wanted to go around to do research to find out, uh, you know. So we we developed a framework called the RRDA framework, and the RRDA framework is for research. It stands for research, reports, discuss, and advocate. Okay. So we carry out the research. Um, we have certain questions that we find out to certain things that we look out for doing our research. Then we come up with the reports. And then when we come up with the report, we organize um, town hall meetings where we yeah. invite small yeah. sales, not really large conferences, just small sales, people that matter. And then we discuss certain issues and we find issues that we can actually advocate for. So if we're going to drive change, how was the best way to approach it? We come up with ideas and then we start pushing for this. Yeah. So so that, that has been it. In Nigeria, we, we are in about 13 states and... In these different states, we have like like about say an average of about say fifteen to twenty volunteers in these states to yeah. go around monthly for research. Um, yeah, and that's that's how far we've come. Um, we okay. we sort of also we, we have a program we call Right for Change. Right for Change is we launched that in twenty nineteen, where you know we ask young people to write about social subjects okay. that they are they are really passionate about. It could be gender. Um, gender equality, it could be about politics, it could be about education. And then they sent these articles over to us, review the articles, and then we publish it on our website, and then they get paid, paid okay. for doing it. Okay. So um, rather than hiring um, someone yeah. in the organization to do all of that, like it's best if we listen to the voice of the people. And all of the articles, um, they are given the credits. Their names are there. Yeah. Email address. Very good. Very good. People can always reach out to them to learn more about their research work and all of that. That's, so you're just giving good. people a voice. Yeah. Just giving people a voice. Yeah. So that's basically what we, what well, we do at see, House. You are you you are showing me you're you are a real community leader. Because, Am I? <laughs> yeah, because all, all, all you, you have done in Africa, in Nigeria, is to bring people in our communities together to solve problems, small yeah. and big. Okay. Yeah. Now, yes, your finance is a problem. Okay. But see, I will encourage you to keep it keep it up as long as you can. Okay. Uh, because uh, what you're doing is actually very useful. It is very, yeah. very useful. Okay? Yes. Sir. A lot yeah. of people will benefit from it. Yes, and I don't, I don't know if you have considered it. There may be one or two things that you guys can leverage to build businesses. Okay, for, for profit businesses. Yeah. yeah. So it's the financial sustainability part. So okay. this is this is the, the this was the puzzle then. Yeah. And um, when we started, the reason why I did not integrate any financial um, plan, and also we for since we've been running, we've never written to any organization for sponsorship. It was all self-funded from the money I made from tailoring, and then at some point I started writing business plans, making some bits and pieces money there. And so that was the money that we used to, to do. And this is why, because I'm, I'm very good at problem finding and problem solving. Yep. Um, yeah. But I needed to prove to myself. Um, people who are like me would know that it's very easy to start things and just leave them halfway and jump onto the next one. Yeah. 
there are many people yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah. So I needed to prove to myself how much, how bad I wanted it because it would be really easy if everything was coming up at the silver platter, you know, it would be easy for me to just move on to the next project. Yeah. And, and that would be it. So what I decided to do was to go through the hardship, go through the rocks to, to ensure that, you know, it's something I really want to do. And, and yeah. what I've discovered over the years, doing it for over four years now, it's it's that I really want to do this. Like, I, when I have conversations with people as regards, you know, well, I already know what I, w- I would be doing until I leave Earth. It's not going to change. Very good, it, my friend. Yeah. It's, Very good. Like, it's not going to change. It's not going to change. Um, I Me, already too. Know what, what, Me too. Me too. I know what I will do for the rest of my life. <laughs> my existence. And, and, it, and it gives you some form of, some level of comfort knowing that you have some level of sense of purpose and direction. When, when, um, you, when you know your purpose, okay? Yeah. When you know your purpose, you are comfortable. Yes? Yeah. You know, yeah, it will be hard. But yeah, yeah even as hard as, as it is, that's what you do. What you yeah, okay. It would never and change. It would never change. Now, it's not one thing, but it's a it's a group of things because yeah. you be doing different things around that same spot. Yeah, very good. Yeah. Very good. You yeah. see, I'm happy you found your, your purpose. I'm very very happy. Mm. Thank you. Thank you very wow. much. Wow, wow. I think I'm, I'm privileged too. Yes, yes, you are. <laughs> I will tell you that. <laughs> So, you work with businesses and the government yeah. to end modern slavery in the UK. Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. Okay, now when you say modern slavery, I'm clueless <laughs> about <laughs> any any kind of slavery still existing in the UK. So, what is modern slavery? Where can I find it, or where is it? Okay, and Around how it's everywhere. <laughs> how can the human race eliminate it? Yeah. So, um, as as regards what modern slavery is, and often the I think one of the most outstanding facts about modern slavery is the fact that. So many of us are victims, we just don't know it. Mm. <laughs> so many of us as victims, we just don't know it. So modern slavery is a situation where um, it involves three factors. There is an exploiter, there is a victim, and there is a benefit. All right? Okay. So the exploiter um, takes advantage of the vulnerability of the victim. Okay. It could be the fact that maybe they need a job. It could be financial you know, factors. It could be um, social factors. It could be, by, by social factors, for example, we have, you know, people who are, who are refugees or illegal, illegal immigrants. Immigrants, okay. Yeah, immigrants. And these people don't have an understanding of how the system works. Um, okay. They are under the radar. And then somebody who, who has access to that information simply exploits them um, based on that. Yeah. Um, and and you, you, it's funny to, you, you, Think that in the 21st century, having a conversation about modern slavery in the UK, yeah, it is not one that. But yeah, we every day we receive loads and loads and loads of cases um, of, of modern slavery, you know, in in the UK. So modern slavery, there are different forms of modern slavery. The, the, there's one. We, we, the first is what we call um, forced labor. Okay. So forced labor is a situation whereby you know um, um, an employ an employer. Um, pays the employee less than the minimum wage. Have them work longer hours than than stipulated by by the you know the government, the UK um, workers legislation. Okay. Um, and often you know make them work under harsh conditions where they are not provided with maybe um, personal protective equipment and all of that. So that's one form of modern slavery. Another form of modern slavery is domestic servitude, um, which okay. uh, I'm sure you heard of the Mofara case. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that has been going on. Yeah, domestic servitude. Um, the next is um sexual exploitation, mm. and also we have um county lines. So county lines has to do with drug trafficking. Yeah, you know when you you get people, young people, to traffic drugs and and you know threaten their family if they don't you know yeah. execute some of the tasks. So these are some of the things that happen in the UK. And um, basically, the work that we do with 
the Unseen, which is an amazing organization. Um, I, I got to, so before I started working with Unseen, during my master's program, alongside my internship with you know with the Bradford Council, I also did did some internship with um, Hope for Justice, a modern slavery charity in, okay. in Manchester. And it was then I got to, and it was just me having a better understanding, trying to have a broader understanding of what inclusion means. Mm. Um, what does it mean to build an inclusive society? What are some of those problems that we need to eliminate in society for us to have an inclusive society? And and while I was, you know, interning with them, that's when I got to understand that, oh, wow, so we've also got modern slavery and it's got different yeah. forms. And this is how we perpetuate into a system and how it's beneficial in the political system. And why is, why most businesses, it's beneficial to businesses, basically, because, you know, they get to save more money by hiring people who, who are vulnerable and all of that. Yeah. So I after that, I, I working with Unseen, basically, just provided me that opportunity to practically contribute to it. You know, now I understand what it is. I know how, how it harms society. I know how businesses benefit from it. It's not a question of how can we work with these businesses to understand not just the moral part of it, but understand some of the legislative requirements like the Modern Slavery Act and how to comply to you know with these standards, how to help investors understand some of the issues or some of the you know, KPIs that, that they need to look out for, you know, when investing in companies, um, ensuring that these companies are not are modern slavery free and all of that. So these these are some of the, the work that we do. Um, okay. And, and often, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah go, go on, go on, go on. Yeah. And often people people ask questions like, oh, how come you, you're you working in secular economy? You're also working in modern slavery and all of that. And I tell them one word, like, it's inclusion. It's inclusion. I would, I would, I would forever do inclusion. And over the years, these, there are new emerging issues that would arise. Yeah. Um, that, that would threaten, you know, our, our, our aspiration for an inclusive society. And I would equally be interested in these issues. I would equally participate in these issues. I want to lend a voice to these issues. I, I may not be able to solve the problem completely, but I'm quite certain that I would be able to, you know, establish a very good foundation and build good systems in place to help us checkmate some of these things. Yeah. So um, that's that basically why um, I work with, you know, with Unseen. It's just playing my part to ensure that Practically, we're able to achieve a, you know, an inclusive society, not just in the wow. UK, but globally. See, yeah. you are you are a very interesting young man. How <laughs> am I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, I, I just I just finished this this book this week, and great it's something, yeah, the great experiment, you know, and uh, it's uh, it's something for me. I think. Uh, uh, even though it's uh, predominantly written for diverse society in the in the democratic West, okay, but for us as Africans, for example, because naturally our societies are diverse, very diverse, okay, mm-hmm. and we are struggling. We are struggling to imbibe. The, the 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 standards of democracy so for us i think it's very very important that we we read it so that even though we're just we're just starting this this journey of democracy it's yeah. better for us to know this this some of this the the, the issues that the author has uh, explained in this book and start working on it right now rather than yeah. we get there and then we find all the all these problems again we can we can you know start working on them now so uh david yes sir see you have done a lot of things okay in a short space of time um, <laughs> very very impressive impressive things okay so what is your advice for young Africans, okay, who also want to contribute something to their communities? Communities. In 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 two words, take initiative. Okay. That's it. 
take initiative. Um, you you don't have to wait for for the conditions to be perfect to get to work. Um, if you complain about a problem, you should also remember that you're the best you're in the best position to solve it, to do something about it because yeah. everyone yeah. walks past that problem and they don't recognize it as a problem. Mm. But for the fact that you do, and it, you know, there's a burning desire in your heart for that to be solved. That's a sign that it's your that's your purpose. Um, basically, often I, I I get to work with young people and. They always ask, okay, how do I find my purpose? How do I find my purpose? And I tell them three things. Just simple, simply three boxes you need to check. You need to check. First of all, you need to understand where your talent is. What's that thing that you do effortlessly? Yeah. You, know, you do it. When you do it, you do it easily, but it amazes people. How, how do you manage to do that so easily? Whatever it is, hold on to it. It's not it's not useless. As yep. Unacceptable, acceptable as it is in society, just hold on to it. All right. The second thing is you need to find out what you're passionate about. Mm. So it could be about people, it could be about ideas, it could be about events, whatever it is. But there's something that just whenever you hear people discuss about that subject, you are it's excited. Something yeah. you're excited. You want yeah. to participate in it. Yeah. And then thirdly, you need to find out what exasperates you about. That. And often it's related to your passion. Um, it could be you could be passionate about women, um, and then what exasperates you could be you know um, sexual exploitation or could be inequality in access to education, um, and to especially among among women. Um, now, if you understand some of these three things, if you yeah. were able to really eloquently communicate that this is what my talent is, this is what I'm passionate about, and this is one thing. That I if don't I like, had, yeah, I don't like. And if I had one one bullet, I would use the bullet to kill this problem. Once you do, you found your purpose because basically what it just means is that you ought to use your talent. Your talents will get the attention of people who matter. As the Bible says, the gift of a man places him before kings. It's not a yeah. question of what you communicate with the, to the king when you are in his presence. Your talents will get you before the king. When you get before the king, you are you use that as an opportunity to communicate what your passion is yeah. and how you want the king to solve that problem. That's basically your purpose. So wow. if you have a purpose, try to get your talent, use your talent to solve those problems you that those problems and issues that you're passionate about. Wow. Um, before you find a useful life. You Take see, the initiative. You just initiative. you just explained what I have as a four-week coaching program. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> now, you can take it over, okay? <laughs> you can take it over. <laughs> nice one, nice one, nice one. Yes, yes, like you said, have you, you can find your purpose if you do this. Very good, yeah. very good. You see, we are in the UK, okay, both of us, okay? And you see the world, how it is. And you see where we are as Africans, where our countries are, okay? Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you're you dream about, I want Nigeria to be this, that, that, that. You want Africa to be this, that, that. So what is your vision for Africa in the next 20 to 30 years? That's all far away. (laughs) It's um, not far away again. See, uh, 30 years ago, I mean, I, re- I remember 30 years oh, ago. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And now. Well, well, I uh, <laughs> you know? so, um, so my vision is single. Um, it's one I've always communicated. It's uh, a continent where no one is left behind, where um, every, every African, irrespective of the socioeconomic background, should be given an opportunity to 
to contribute to society. First of all, to identify what the gifts are, to build these gifts, and then to deploy them for social growth and development. Um, I, I envision a, a woman who is a, who is a trader, who is a petty trader. Um, she should have children who have access to the best education. You know, um, it should not be it should not be dependent on the fact that she earns, you know, the minimum wage. The kids should have access to the best education. A man who is a farmer, a farmer in some remote community in Nigeria, his son or daughter should be able to travel to anywhere in the world to have best access to the best education. Um, you know, I just believe that, you know, the boundaries that we leave, these and these boundaries are man-made. They're man-made. I just believe that what I envision, and that's why we are working, talking about inclusion, yeah. is that we, we get to a point um, where where the government understands, policymakers understand that really marginalization is not the best way to, not the best approach to, you know, sustainable development and, you know, economic advancement. It's not, but it's understanding that the the best resources that we have are the people and not, you know, the mineral resources, the oil, the diamond, the gold and coltan and all of that. But it's the people, because only the people can turn those raw materials into what the world has never experienced before. Yeah. Um, so um, in 20, 30 years, I believe that inclusion should be at the center of policy development. Any policy that denies a particular look group of people it could be a community, it could be an ethnic group, it could be a race, it could be whatever. Any policy that denies people the opportunity to contribute to economic development yeah. should be should be scrapped out. It's the way it the way it pricks our consciousness, knowing that we can't simply murder anyone. It should also prick our consciousness that we can't sideline anyone and think that we are more privileged than they are. And therefore, they should be denied the opportunity to contribute. Wow. See, David, I, I agree with you. Okay. Now, taking the, the definition of inclusiveness that you gave yeah. me at, 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 the, uh, at the beginning. Yeah. Now, yes, we, we don't want to deliberately deny people of being included okay yeah but again the onus is on the people on parents to have the desire to be included in whatever the society the community is doing yeah i, I think but that's that's the main idea of sustainable development yeah. ensuring that you can contribute to social development and get some form of economic economic incentive for it. Okay. And yeah, um, that's that's why we we try to 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 move with the, with the three of them. Um, when we're talking about that's you see our our approach of personal my, my approach to sustainable development as evidently it's not just taking into consideration the fact that oh we need to build schools we need to build schools no no it's not just about just building schools, but it's a question of how do we solve those other underlying problems? There's a reason why we don't have schools. There's a reason why parents don't want their kids to go to school. Some parents would, even if you have free education, some, some parents would prefer their kids going out there to sell, going to the farm compared to going to school. Yeah, so these are, all of these are issues that we need to address at, at the same time. Yeah. Um, it's not just about, and, and we can't be quick to come up with a solution and say, oh, this is a solution to it. No, no. It needs to tick all these boxes so that way we don't have to revisit it again. Mm. We don't wow. have to revisit it again. Wow. So, thank, man, David, thank you very much for being here. Um, oh, thank you so much. I'm so, so happy to talk to you. You know, thank and you I'm, very much. I'm, I'm, privilege, I'm, I'm amazed at the kind of things you're doing. Uh, I hope uh, some some or some day soon I will be able to see you physically. You know, that'll be really humbling. Yeah. Thank, Thank you very much. much. Yeah. Thank Take you care. very much. Bye. Thank you for you too. Have a wonderful evening. You too. You too.
Listen or watch more episodes of Think Big for Africa podcast with new guests every week. Subscribe to ensure that you are notified whenever new episodes are available.